That was beautiful, beautiful. I uh, want to uh, thank Martha Wainwright. Is filling. John is under the weather this morning, and so Martha stepped in kind of last moment. So Martha. <laughs> Part of uh, playing and a beautiful anthem, uh, that's, a, that's a blessing, so thank you this morning. As I said earlier on, we're into our fourth in this series of Making a Difference. We're at our last focal point or focus point in our vision about building bridges of harmony and care with our community and our world. I want to focus in uh, chapter 16 and to the, on the ninth verse uh, from Acts this morning as, as we look at the message today. And it's the verse that goes like this. During the night, Paul had a vision. And there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. A vision. A man pleading. Come over and help us. May God embed that image, that vision in our hearts and in our minds as we would come into God's truth this day. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that in these moments your spirit moves and works, for the ways that in these moments you would use the scripture to be a light of truth for us, to shine on our past, to, to open to us what would be your will for how we would live as those who would serve you and to place within our hearts and in our minds that vision that is of your will and of your kingdom in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that prayer for ourselves and for ourselves as a church body this day. And, and Lord, let it be all to your glory in and through Jesus Christ, in whose name we gather and in whose name we pray. Amen. Tom Janot is an award-winning journalist for Esquire magazine. Uh, Esquire magazine is a magazine that is a, is a fashionable uh, Piece, a fashionable magazine, and it and it bills itself. Uh, it's uh, on its masthead. It talks about it as a magazine that focuses in on style, on news, on politics, and on entertainment. And so you may imagine, uh, or Tom Janot reports that when he was given the assignment of covering Fred Rogers, and you may know Fred Rogers. That's that's Mr. Rogers that he was underwhelmed at the assignment. Because Fred, when you think about Fred Rogers, you don't think about style, unless you're into cordigan sweaters. When you think about Mr. Rogers, you don't think about being cutting edge news, because he'd have been doing the same thing for about the last 25 years in the neighborhood. So you don't think about that. You, you certainly don't think about entertainment unless you're four years old or under. And so when, when he got the assignment, you know, he was not really excited about the assignment. But as part of the assignment, what he did was he had a chance to spend a lot of time with Fred Rogers. And so he, he and Fred Rogers went about together for a couple of months as he was, as he was uh, you know, beginning to form the article. And as, he, as they went about with each other, he was amazed uh, how people responded to Fred Rogers. There was a time where they went down to Penn Station, and Penn Station is the central train station in New York City, and so you get tens of thousands of people moving through Penn Station every day, and so he and Fred are, are walking through Penn Station. As they're walking through Penn Station, uh, one person comes up to Fred and says to Fred, he says, thank you, thank you for giving me a childhood. Thank you for giving me a childhood. 
they go on down as they keep on moving. One person comes up to them and says, you are the father I never had. Father I never had. The other person came up and just said to, to Mr. Rogers, just give me a hug. That's all I want from Mr. Rogers is a hug. And so they go through Penn Station. They have those kinds of experiences. And then he had another experience, Tom Janot did, with Fred, where a man from Boise uh, came, a father and a son. And they came to thank Fred Rogers because the, the boy was autistic. And, and this particular autistic boy, he hadn't spoken to his father. He hadn't looked in his father's face his whole life. And what happened was the first word that the boy spoke was X the Owl. Now, if you're a Fred Rogers person, you may know X the Owl is one of the puppet figures in, in Fred Rogers, in, in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. The first word that that boy ever spoke was X the Owl. And the boy never looked into his father's face until the father said to his son, would you like to go with me to the neighborhood of make-believe? Would you like to go with me into the neighborhood of make-believe? And the boy looked up into the face of his father. And that was the first time father and son face to face. And so the father and son came to thank Fred for those experiences and for the way that that boy was at this particular point in time speaking. He was reading and he was engaging with others. And, and so, you know, there's just this experience that Tom, that Tom knew, the story that Tom knew from Fred. And so they went about experience after experience, and he was just amazed at how, you know, the impact that, that Fred Rogers had. And he summed it all up in an article that was released in 1998 entitled, Can You Say Hero? Can You Say Hero? And as part of the article, he also talked about his own experience with Fred Rogers. And so let me read you the quote, because I don't want to mess it up too bad. And uh, here's what Tom Juneau wrote about his experience of Mr. Rogers. Once upon a time, there was a man named Fred Rogers who decided that he wanted to live in heaven. Now, heaven is where good people go when they die. But this man, Fred Rogers, didn't want to go to heaven. He wanted to live in heaven here now, in this world. So one day, when we were talking about all the people that we loved in this life and that he loved in this life, he looked at me and he said, Tom, the connections we make in the course of this life, maybe that's where heaven is. The connections that we make in the course of this life, maybe that's where heaven is, Tom. We make so many connections here on this earth. Look at us. I just met you. But I'm investing in who you are and in who you will be. Maybe that's where heaven is. Maybe that's where heaven is in the connections we're invest in each other to who we are and who we will be. And that relationship that Tom Janot shared with Fred Rogers changed his life. It changed his life from a cynical, sophisticated journalist helping him to discover something deeper 
about who he was, something deeper about his humanity. It made a life-changing difference. It's going to come out in a movie. I know there's already been one Fred Rogers movie, Mr. Rogers movie, released earlier this summer. It's going to come out next October. So we, we look forward to that. Tom Hanks is out there, so you can kind of put that on your to-do list for next year. But the whole point is that here is a man who had a relationship with a man who had a vision. A man who had a vision about heaven and about how heaven could be here and now and how, how heaven is in the middle of the connections that we all make. A vision that those connections have consequences. A vision that those connections are bridges. Bridges in which we can build, in which we can invest ourselves in one another, in which we can invest ourselves in our community, in our world. A vision where we can build harmony and care. Perhaps, perhaps that's where heaven is. I want to tell you, friends, that vision makes a difference. It does make a life-changing difference. And we know, you and I know, how much our world needs that vision right now. We live in a world, and we know this, where the, where the word that's being used now is tribes where we tend to live in circles, where we tend to live in cycles, where we tend to live within kind of our own spheres. And those spheres, spheres are defined by our ethnicity and by our education and by our economics and by our nationality and by our languages, by our culture, by our gender. Those spheres are defined in terms of privilege, and poverty, have and have not, maximized and minimized, marginalized. We know that we live in those spheres. And what happens with those spheres is that when you live in them long enough, they tend to spiral inward, and as they spiral inward, what begins to happen is that minds begin to close, and hearts begin to harden, and the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I tell you, friends, you just look around, and you see what's going on in our culture right now. You just look at the news, see what's going on, and tell me if the world is not, in so many ways, getting harder and more closed and smaller. I tell you, friends, I think that's inevitable. I think that's inevitable unless you have a greater vision. Unless you have a greater vision. And I want to tell you, we have a greater vision. We have a vision where the cycle of privilege and the cycle of poverty, they come together and they make a greater circle. We have a vision where the have and the have-nots, the insiders and the outsiders, the marginalized and the maximized can come together, can talk together, can work together, can accept one another and move forward together. And that vision is called the kingdom. It is called the kingdom. It is the vision that Jesus Christ brought to his followers, brought to the people of faith when he said to them at the beginning of his ministry, repent, change, wake up. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not somewhere down the road. It is at hand here and now. The bridges we build, the connections we make, they have the kind of consequences that are life-saving to the people around us. And Jesus brought that vision, and he brought it forward with these words. 
It's good news to the poor. It's release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. It's liberty for the oppressed. It's acceptable to God. I want to tell you, friends, when our minds, if our minds start getting closed and our hearts start getting hard and our worlds start getting small, the vision is such good news. Because if we ever find ourselves in that place, we are the poor for it. We are blind to the beauty of the world that is about us. We are captive to our own prejudices. We are those who need to be liberated into all that God has for us and the connections that are ours in the lives that we live and lead in the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus brought that vision. Paul was possessed by that vision. It's not simply that Paul possessed a vision, had a vision. The vision possessed him. That's why you go on a missionary journey. And what we, the words we read about today were about a missionary journey. He actually made three missionary journeys. You don't make a missionary journey because you want to see the world or you need something to do or you have the travel bug. That's not why you make it. You make it because you're possessed by a vision. Michael has the screen up, which is great. The, this second missionary journey begins at the bottom right of the screen and goes to the top left of the screen. So you, you can kind of see it starts out in Jerusalem, moves through Antioch. Those are both on the right side. Moves all the way up. It's hard to see Troas on the top there. But what happens is Paul is on this journey where he is moving through what's modern-day Turkey. And as he's moving through modern-day Turkey, the scripture this morning says the spirit did not turn, allow him to turn to the right or to the left. It was just bringing him straight forward. And Troas is kind of toward the top of that map. It's right at the Aegean Sea, which is... Uh, you see the Mediterranean, which is called the Great Sea, and then you go up, there's a sea that is uh, kind of as a mitten that goes up in there. That is the uh, Aegean Sea, and Troas is right at the shore of the Aegean Sea. And so what happens is like the vision is leading Paul. He can't turn right, he can't turn left. He goes all the way through Turkey. He comes right to the seashore. There's no place left to go. And he's standing there on the shore, and as he stands there on the shore, he's in this what next moment with God. And that's where he has the vision. That's where he has the vision of the man from Macedonia crying out, come over and help us, please help us. Macedonia is across the Aegean Sea. And so what he did was he crossed the Aegean Sea. But you and I need to know he not only crossed the sea, he crossed the cultures. He crossed the nationalities. He crossed the languages. He crossed the boundaries and the barriers. He even crossed the genders. What happened was he went over there and he didn't find a man from Macedonia. He found a woman from Macedonia, Lydia. And she was the one who opened up her heart and opened up her home and in her home became the first uh, recorded house church in Western Europe. I want to tell you, friends, you need to understand that the scripture that we read is like one giant, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. This is when the church was started in Western Europe. And if you're of Western European descent, I want to let you know that part of the reason that you and I are here today is because Paul had the vision and because Paul crossed over. We need to understand it is the vision that makes us who we are as a church. It's great to come into a beautiful building and have a, have a wonderful steeple out front with a cross on it. That, that's a fantastic thing. And I love coming in here, and I know you do, and seeing this window. I come in here, and I look at this, and the beauty just kind of lifts me up. And to hear the organ play, it just moves my soul, and it does yours too. 
and I love the coffee and the crunchies. I mean, and I love my friends. I, I just love it all. I love being part of Spring Valley. And you do too, otherwise you wouldn't be here. But you know what we all know? That's not what makes us the church. It's not what makes us the church. It is the vision of Christ that makes us the church. It is the vision that there are people all around us who need help, who need hope. And they are crying out, they're crying out by how they're living their lives. Their lives that are burdened, their lives that are broken. There's a cry that's coming up and what we're invited to do is open up our hearts and minds to hear that vision and to know that you and I can step forward. That we can step forward, that we can build bridges, that those connections count. That we can invest ourselves in those ways, that, that in those places, a little bit of heaven can come in those places. That's what makes us a church, is to move into that vision. And it is a God-given vision because it's given to us in Jesus Christ. And we read it throughout his ministry in the scriptures. And it is a God-given vision because it is the spirit that strengthens us and enlivens us and empowers us and equips us to step into that vision. And so what we do is we claim that vision and we commit ourselves to that vision. And I celebrate with you how we do that together here at Spring Valley. I want to tell you, just uh, Florence did such a great job in outlining it in a, in a very great overview. But I just want to tell you, in, in, this, in this week alone, how you and I are stepping forward into that vision. This morning, we had volunteers go down, serve 400 people, 400 of the homeless, down in Ostrom Street Center. We had 10 volunteers. And those 10 volunteers, food was fixed by about 30, 35 people that 10 volunteers could take down so that there could be ministry that happened with those homeless. And when you get down into that situation, it's the connection that's made that's important. It's the way the have and the have-nots that come, come together, that's what's important. It feeds everybody's heart. That's what's important. And it's important that we feed stomachs, too. That's part of what happened this morning. And then this Thursday, what's going to happen is we're going to go over to local elementary school. And we'll have an opportunity to be with 20 to 25 kids. And in that setting, some of those kids are our kids here from the church. Very fortunate. Uh, grow up in very fortunate lives. And it's such a blessing. And there's a large number of children in that afternoon experience that don't have those same kind of opportunities. And so what happens is we go over, we form relationships. I think about the children I met last year. I think about Kevin, and I think about Dylan. I think about Christopher. I think about children, elementary children, that you and I can invest our lives in. When you invest your life in them, what you find is they have invested their life back in you. They're part of your life, part of your heart. I'll tell you something happens in that. Christ moves in that. There's a little bit of heaven in that. And then I think about next Sunday night, I think about 500 people coming in our campus. I hope that excites you as much as it excites me. Because that's how we're opening up ourselves, the hospitality, the heart of Christ here at Spring Valley, welcoming everybody in, experience that spirit. You see, it's the vision, it's living into the vision. This week, that's, that's how we're doing it together just this week. Not to mention all the other 51 weeks of the year. I tell you, friends, it's beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. We want you to catch the vision. We want you to understand what God is doing 
in and through our church. And next Sunday, what we have the opportunity to do is make a commitment to that vision. Because that's what stewardship is about. It's about a commitment to a vision. This week in the mail, you're going to receive, I can see if I can, oh, here we go. Got to get my props here. <laughs> You're going to receive an estimate of giving card. I want you to know if you hold this right, it reminds me of a ballot. <laughs> kind of early voting. It's a ballot for what you believe. It's a vote for the vision. It's your vote for the vision. It's your commitment to the vision. What you write on this counts. It makes a difference. I want to let you know none of those things that we talked about above happens in and through at least Spring Valley we don't step forward into the vision and support the vision. What we do with this matters. And since it matters, I want to ask you to do three things with the card that you receive. The first thing I want you to ask, I want to ask you to do is to put it to prayer. What this means for me is I'm going to spend some time with this card and I'm going to look at my personal finances and my budget and I'm going to go through all of that and figure out the numbers, you know, here's what I can, I can do and I'm going to look at all that. But after I do all that, after I do all the financial calculations, what I'm going to ask you to do then is I'm going to ask you to do a faith calculation. I'm going to ask you to just hold the card in your hand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to ask God, what do I need to write down on this card? What do I need to write down on this card? have some time with God over that. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to take a step of faith. And I know a step of faith looks different for different people. For some people, if you've never given a gift to a church, maybe a step of faith is to give. Give a gift. It's something that's new for you. It's, a, it's kind of a step forward. So I would invite you and encourage you to do that. If you give but are not giving regularly, maybe that step of faith is to start giving regularly, maybe monthly, maybe weekly, whatever regularly means for you. So you know what? What I want to do is to move into a regular pattern. That for me would be a step of faith. Maybe if you're giving regularly, maybe a step of faith is to say, I want to give proportionally. And what that means is you begin to figure out what proportion of your income you already uh, contribute to the church. You say, I want to take a step up in that. We have a chart on the back of the card that's helpful in that. I refer you to that. But the whole notion is as you give proportionally, it's a matter of saying, hey, I want to start at this place and I want to move forward a step. And we know that as we move forward step by step, the goal there is a tithe, the 10%. It's the scriptural goal that's held out before us that, that, we, that we move toward. Knowing that as we move step by step, God's grace is the one that encourages us along the way. And knowing that even when we get to a tithe, there are those who give beyond the tithe. That is their step of faith. See, people are on this, we're on this continuum in terms of our steps of faith. But the whole point is if we all make a step of faith, all step forward together, then the church can step forward together doing the ministry and the mission and the vision that God gives us to do here at Spring Valley. What you and I do, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I want to let you know that. Because when you get to the bottom line of the vision, the song that we're going to sing in just a moment here sums it up really well. Christ for the world we sing. The world to Christ we bring. Christ 
for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring. That is the vision. We live in a world where there are people who are crying out for help and for hope. They are hurting and they need you and I to be the people who God would have us to be, to step into the vision that God has for us to build those bridges of harmony and care in a way that that little bit of heaven, the heaven that God has for all of us here on this earth, the heaven that it is, hand, that is at hand might be known even now through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that, that we gather in this day. We give you thanks for the vision that you give to us, that the connections that we make, they count, they have consequence, that they are bridges in which we can invest ourselves, where we can build into harmony and into care and into hope. And there are ways that others would know of your love in and through us, through the ministry and missions that we share together. Give us that heart. Strengthen us with your spirit. Let us step forward in commitment to you. Let it all be to your glory. Through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.